Father, I just ask that you speak to us tonight and minister to us. Help us to understand. Give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of of you, O God. Help us to know that your word can change our world. Your your words can change us and make situations better for us in this life because of the covenant we have with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Most of what I'm sharing is basically what you already possibly know. Uh, A lot of people know, uh, have a knowledge of things about Jesus, but they don't have a personal knowledge of what Jesus is to us as a Savior. You can have uh, an awareness of what Jesus has done for us, but then there is a personal knowledge of what he has done, which comes only through revelation. And when you have that, your life is changed. First thing that goes from you is the uncertainty and the fear of the future. What's going to happen to me? What am I going to encounter in my life in the future? None of us know the future. But when you know Jesus and you know his word, like he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask what you will and it will be done for you. So knowing him and his word abiding in you, you abiding in him, that will bring about change that you want in your future. When we pray, we are actually asking God for our future. We want God to do something for us and our family that will make life easier for us in the future. That's just basic. That's why we're praying spiritually, mentally, in our relationships, in every area of life, our finances, all of these things. Prayer can help. But we really need to have a personal knowledge of who we are and what God's given to us and what we can obtain from Him here and now in this present world that can change your life and affect those around you, your children and everyone around you. Uh, What Jesus died for, and I started last week, the main thing He came to do is to break the curse, to destroy the curse. And it's called the curse of the law. And we all were under that curse. You can never be born without being under that curse. But Jesus came to break that curse. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 and 14 it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He redeemed us. He brought us back from the curse. He separated us from the curse. So the curse no longer has an effect on our lives. He has redeemed us. He paid the price that was demanded by the curse so that the curse can be removed for us. There was a demand. He redeemed us, meaning he paid back what was necessary to remove us from the curse. And because that price has been paid, all he's asking us is to believe and act. Just two things in Christianity. You can say you believe whatever you say you believe. If you don't act on it, you don't really believe in it. Somebody can come now and be screaming, there's fire coming out of this building. I can see it. You can see it. They can see it because they're coming from the outside. If you look at the individual and it looks like a 
crazy person, even if you act, you just walk slowly off the place. Right? Because you really have a doubt whether this man is, knows what he's talking about. But if you truly believe, if he's well-dressed, he looks like some great official or something, and he's saying, hey, fellows, fire. Guess what we'll do? I'll stop preaching, and then we're all out of this place real fast. You haven't seen the fire. You believe, right? So belief has to go with action. If there is no action, you don't get the result with God. Faith and action is what brings the result. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. He became a curse for us. We can't be cursed. He became that for us. There's a lot of things. Remember, he became sin for us. He became poor for us. Everything he became, we cannot become. We can't be, can't be part of our lives. We are separated from that totally. Because he became that curse so that, that that was the price. He became that so we don't have to have that. Amen. We don't have to have a curse over our lives. The Bible already told us why. It says, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. In other words, once the curse is removed, what replaces the curse? The blessings. Once the curse is removed, automatically the blessings of Abraham come. Or the blessing of Abraham, just one word blessing. The blessing of Abraham comes upon your life. Once you receive Jesus, who was made a curse for you, the curse is removed and the blessing comes upon you. If you believe it and act on it. Amen. The reason we teach on it is for you to know of it and believe it. That's God's will. His life, before you demand that, he makes a will, right? And the will doesn't work until he's dead. Now, after his death, we can be, we can know of the will, and nothing happens until you read the will, right? And after you read the will, still nothing may happen until you act on what was written in the will, right? If it's left you a million dollars, I like to have a will like that. <laughs> that could change your life. That could change you from living in your current home to something more beautiful paid for. But until the will is read... And you know that you have it in the will. It's like as if you don't have it. Right? But even after the will is read, if you do nothing about it, you're still in that same old place. You got to act on it. But Jesus has already paid the price for us. He became the curse, so we don't have to have the curse. He separated us from the curse. The curse cannot be upon our lives. 
And once that was removed, the blessing of Abraham came upon us. And to confirm that, we received this Holy Spirit who helped us know of his will, that blessing of Abraham that the scripture is talking about. Now, I would like to go into how Jesus, what is this, when the the Bible talks about the curse, how do we define that? What is he talking about? We need to know exactly what Jesus died for, right? What was that curse that he separated from us when he died? So we won't allow that curse to be on us because of the will, right? But I have to know. I have to know what curse it was that was on my life that was hindering me. I got to know what it was so that I know to separate from that and bring a change into my life. I got to know what it is. Just knowing he broke the word curse, what is that? What curse are we talking about? I got to know what it is. And I got to act on against it because I have to let it know my life is changed. You can't put that on me anymore. I'm going from here. Amen? I'm going from here. And when you know that, then you can walk a little differently. You can have a little swagger in your, move, in your walk. Amen? Amen. You act like you're something now because of the will. You know what's been done for you. But if you don't know, nothing changes. I got to go search for what is spoken. What is that cross? What did he really broke when he died on the cross? I'd like you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 53, uh, verse 4 and 5. He says, surely, that means no doubt about it, right? No doubt about it. There is no room for doubt. You can't waver on this. That's what he's saying. That's what the word of God is saying. Surely, without a doubt... He has borne our griefs. You know what that word grief translates? Read it. Check your translation. The literal meaning for that word is sickness. Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our sorrows. That word, the, the Hebrew word that was rendered, that's rendered sorrows here, that word means pain. So Jesus bore our sicknesses. That's the curse. He bore it hanging on the tree, right? By his stripes we were healed, right? He separated us from sickness. That's what he's saying. He became sick. If you read verse 10 of the same uh, scripture, Isaiah 53 verse 10, when he says God had put him to grief. In other words, God made him sick for us. That's what he's saying. So that the blessing of Abraham that's been well, that's the curse. Sickness and pain. He says, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was wounded for our transgressions. That's part of it. Taking... Every, that part of it, sin, out of our lives, he was bruised for our iniquities. Iniquities is the sin nature. Transgression is what you've done. Iniquity is the nature of sin. 
he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. Mostly people just take sin and sickness. Now, remember, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. What should bring you well-being in life was upon him. That's what he's saying. What will bring goodness of life into your life was placed upon him. The word peace doesn't mean, you know, I have peace. No. It's being, you know, the woman that said, it is well. It is well. To be well in every area of life. What will make it possible for you to say, everything is fine with my life. Every single area. He took that curse so that this can be. Does it mean you won't have trouble? Troubles will come. But he's going to take you over that. And that's what the scripture means. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In the presence of trouble, I get peace. But he doesn't leave you there. He prepares a table before you. You walk through. You're not going to be uh, camping in trouble. You are walking through it. Because of what Jesus has already done for you. That's not a part of your life. But if you live on the earth, you're going to go through some troubles. You're just going through it. But for you, it is not part of your life. It's a shadow. You don't have to stay there. But he comforts you even while you're going through that. What kind of comfort? Basically, don't worry about it. Tears may be through the night. The joy is coming in the morning. You're just going through it. And usually when God allows it, you may not understand what he's doing. But if your heart is right with him, and you are praying and you have desire, that's the narrow path to your destiny. Because there is a table there that is prepared for you with a lot of goodies because of what he's already done for us. That's just the truth. That's what he's done for us. The chastisement of our peace. Not just for sin, okay? It's not just for dying. When I was a new Christian, all I thought about, he died for our sins. He died for our sins. And I was excited about that. Yeah, my sins are forgiven, and I'm going to heaven. Amen? But that's not where he stopped. He just didn't take away sin from our lives and the sin nature, so that we are born again. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, a new being. The old is gone, and you are a new person. And if you're a new person, all things should be new, including your job situation. Everything. Amen? Everything is going to change. By and by, you may be born, and there's a lot of trouble in your home. The kids are nuts and everything going bad. But slowly, slowly but surely... 
as the light comes out of you and begins to shine in every area of your life, God begins to put them together. That's why he says in Isaiah 54, Esteem the territories. Esteem the borders of your tent. Because your children, believe me, they're going to grow out. They're going to take over the land. God came with us. No, he meant everything he says. But the thing is, do you believe it? Are you going to act on it? That's the matter. That's the real truth about it. Believe it and act on it. Usually what we do, we walk by what we see and what we know in the natural. We don't want to stand ourselves. We're thinking, well, I don't have the resources. If I had known, I would have gone to college. And if I had gone to college, God could have done it. Well, why don't you go to college now? What's stopping you? <laughs> do something. Amen. Do whatever you can. And God will start working with that, with that. You have your dream. Amen. But the chastisement of our peace, not only the, the sin, not only sickness, He wants us to have peace. Do you know what that word means? Prosperity. That's what it means. That's why He told Joshua, Joshua 1 verse 8, Prosperity is God's idea. He's having a well-being. doesn't mean to be so wealthy. There are many wealthy people that are nuts. They're having a lot of trouble. They're wealthy and poor at the same time. Full of troubles. But this is well-being. He wants every area of your life. He paid the price for it. That's what you deserve. Then I make it very clear. If you go into the, uh, to Walmart to buy something, you only you look at an article, you let go, you decide, I'm going to buy this, if you think it's worth, it's worth it, right? You don't pay for it if you think it's too much. And it's not going to give you what economists call utils that you want to derive from it. Well, Jesus paid the price to let you have this. He thinks you want this stuff. Amen? He believes that. Why don't you believe it? He paid the price so that it might be well in your life. All things well for you. Absence of troubles? No. But God will let you go through it, and when the blessings come, you forget the sorrows. I know it was painful, but we don't live... In the times of Job, but for Job it was painful to lose his sons, right? But the latter part of it drowned what happened in the previous time before he had troubles, right? But he was under the Old Testament. We are not under that testament anymore. We don't have to go through those things. The greatest trouble for a Christian that will probably cause you trouble is persecution. And persecution is great honor. Believe me, it's great honor. That's the only thing. Not sickness, not pain, not want, not, none of those things. Jesus paid the price for those. Why would he die for those things if he still wants you to live in them? It doesn't make any sense. Why would he take such an awesome pain to himself, insulted? That's God. You know what it is to pull somebody's beard? That's what they did to Jesus. He tolerated that so I, it might be well for me. Think about it. He did it. I may not deserve it on my own, but because of what he did, I deserve to have the good life. Amen? 
the way he wants it. He said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And all he's saying, Jesus made it really clear. This is just a principle. I talk about principle in the word of God. He says, if you can only believe, all things are possible to him who believes. All things. If you can think about it and talk to God about it and really desire it, because the covenant, you're a covenant person, you can have it. You can have it. It may not be overnight, but don't give up. The Bible says don't be weary in well-doing because you will reap if you don't give up. Just don't give up. And when you are not giving up, even though the situation is bad, but you know you are a covenant person. All we read in Isaiah 53, that's covenant. He was cutting a covenant with us to separate us from the curse so that we can enjoy the covenant of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham. So you have a covenant right to have a good life. I came that you might have life. I call it a good life. (laughs) If you have abundant life, what kind of life is that? It's a good life. Your kids are doing okay by and by. Because you believe. Because you believe. He'll separate you. From those addictions and the pains, his word will separate you with time. Maybe not overnight, but slowly but surely, those things are no longer important to you anymore. Amen? Your heart is in something bigger and something good, something nice. You know, the Bible says, let everything be done decently. And God wants your life to be decent. And to have some good order, right? That's the way he wants it. Not chaos. That's not God. When your life is chaotic, that's not what Jesus died for. If it's not persecution, rebuke it. It's part of the curse. That's not what Jesus died for. We have to understand that. You know, the Bible talked about uh, by his stripes we were healed. That's a covenant right that we have to be healed. It's a covenant. It's called covenant healing. Covenant healing. If you are a covenant person, this is the New Testament. And when I talk about healing, we have a healing service. It's going to be very clear. The words that God gave them, and he always would give us words, the words that God gave them in the Old Testament, three million people, they believed it and it worked for them. Every one of them. Because they were covenant people. Every single child of Abraham, three million people that followed Moses, when God gave them his covenant word, it worked for every one of them. Every one of them was sound. That, that was under the law. It's better for us today. But maybe our faith is somewhere else. And we're not reaping the benefit. The blessing of Abraham. They had it because they were Abraham's children. And the covenant of Abraham was with them. And we have that covenant today. But in a new era. That the Bible calls better covenant. 
with better promises. I was talking to my wife yesterday about the power of promises. In the night, I'm going to come to that. So important. But what you have is covenant healing. I'd like to go to Matthew chapter 8. Please give that to me. And then see the mind of God. And the way God, Jesus, remember when Jesus came, he said, I came, lo, I come to do your will. Oh God, you can read that in Hebrews chapter 10. When the Father said, sacrifices and offerings and all of these sins and the washings, I don't want that anymore. I'm tired of it. It makes me sick. And then the Bible says, Jesus said up there to the Father, look, I'm going down. I'll be the sacrifice. Not this blood of bulls and all of that. I'll give that eternal blood. And God, Jesus said, I came to do your will, O God. And Jesus said, I always do my father. I always do what I see my father do. You remember? That's what he said in John. He said, the words that I speak, they're not mine. What I hear him speak, that's what you hear coming out of my mind. I don't do anything. What I see him doing, that's exactly what I do. That gives me a lot of comfort. Because I can know what the Father's will is by looking at what Jesus did. Simple. Amen? That's all I need to do. I, I wrote Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. It says in there, When evening had come, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and they cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick. How many did he heal? All who were sick. Those that did things to curse their sickness because they acted badly. And those that sickness just came to their lives. Scripture is scripture. The scripture cannot be broken. They were all there that day looking for help from Jesus. And they all got help from him. Everyone was healed. Every single one. What was happening here? Jesus was demonstrating his covenant healing. Covenant healing. Read Psalm 89 verse 34. The Bible says, my covenant I will not break. God said that. The covenant, my covenant I will not break. And I will not alter any word that comes out of my mouth. Psalm 89, verse 34. So here, if you read further, verse 17, it says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. In other words, Jesus had it in his mind on this day, I'm fulfilling my covenant obligation. He took the straps. You understand what I'm saying? He referred to Isaiah 53 that we just read. And while he was healing them that evening, everyone that was demon-oppressed, demon-possessed, he got the mark of them. Every single one of them. And everyone who was sick, he healed them. Why was he doing it? To fulfill his covenant obligation to his covenant people. That's why everyone got healed that night. If you were there that night, I don't care what you got. You go home free. <laughs> Amen. From, I don't care what it was. Cancer, whatever it was. Broken limb, whatever. 
a demon oppression. He could, Jesus could care less on that evening while he was fulfilling his covenant obligation. The one that he died for. The one he died and hung on the cross for. He separated them from their sickness because he himself took their sickness on himself. And no sickness must be in his presence among his covenant people. We can trust in that. And God can heal us. That's why I have so much confidence when we talk about healing service. It's not because Pastor feels so anointed. I trust that his covenant he will not break. I'd like us to read it. Psalm 89, verse 34. Please turn with me. Jonathan, please help me. Generally, people don't want to go, go too deep into the things of God, and God will let it. Remember what the scripture says deep calls out to deep. If you don't want, you stay where you go, and He'll let you be there. But if you want more, and you want to know more, as you understand the Word of God, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, and as you release your faith and you act on it, every time, His Word, His Word works for us. As I, I mean, as Psalm 89 verse 34, God says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that had gone out of my mouth. So when God says in his word, by his stripes you were healed, that settled in heaven, you are healed. And in fact, uh, Peter, I believe it's First Peter 2 verse 24, Peter says, by his stripes you were, and if you were healed, you are healed. In the mind of God, you're crying out to him, God, heal me. And he says, what's wrong with this kid? I already healed you. <laughs> and you're screaming, God, can't you see? I am in pain. Heal me. And God says, read the will. I already healed you. Why not act on your healing and receive your blessing?" Instead of crying out in fear, oh God, Satan is really attacking my family now. He's taking our money and all of this. Now I'm able to say, God, he already has a covenant with you. His covenant obligation. God takes seriously his covenant obligation. God never, let me say it again, God will never overlook faith. Never. Never. If there is faith and true faith and action, God cannot overlook it. It gets its attention every time and takes the power from him. That's why you remember the woman that touched the hem of his garment? She drew it out of him. <laughs> when you have it, it cannot be overlooked. Heaven cannot overlook it. When there is real genuine faith, an action, <laughs> he's hitting you. He'll hit you real hard. Amen. Jesus said, who touched me? Everybody said, oh my God, what kind of a question is this? Man, everybody's touching you. But they were touching him 
without faith. Amen. But this woman, it was a little different. Amen. She touched. Because she was a daughter of Abraham. Amen. Remember what Jesus said? This woman who had this sickness, a daughter of Abraham, you know what she's saying? She's a covenant person. And she, for 18 years, has been bound. And you're saying, I can't heal her on the Sabbath. Forget you. He said, no, no, that was me. Amen. She's the daughter of Abraham. A covenant person. Bound. And she's sitting in the presence of the covenant. <laughs> she can't be sick. You say, Sabbath, forget you. I'm healing her. She is a daughter of Abraham. The covenant obligation that God, what Jesus died for. He died to cut us a covenant. Amen. Gentiles, we are part of this. Doesn't it amaze you how much troubles the Jews have? And still they are blessed? A small nation with nuclear power and all of that, sitting all among all the enemies and nobody is going to move their finger against because they are scared? Where do you think they are so scared? They are covenant people. Amen. God is still protecting covenant. He had the past covenant. That's the fleshly covenant he had. What about us? We have a spiritual covenant. And, and, and it's, it's much greater than the other. We just don't believe like they did. Amen? We just need to believe. His covenant blessings are there for us. In uh, Psalm 103, I really like this. A scripture that, and then remember I told you, I'm just going to remind you what you already have. Amen? And already know. Sometimes we forget you know, and, and forgetting is what's causing us so much trouble. And the devil, sometimes it's not forgetting. We ignore it and set it aside because it's like it's not going to work. I got real, they tell themselves, I got real problems. Don't give me that stuff you're quoting from the scriptures. I got real problems. Have you heard that? Let's be real. Yeah, we got to be real. We are in the real world. I know. Yeah, I know you. Yeah, I know that scripture. Yeah, no, brother. Yes. Yeah, but, 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 but. Basically, you tell you, I don't believe that. <laughs> That's what you're saying. You got to use your senses. The Bible says, don't lean on your own understanding. We do that a lot. Uh, uh, I know, brother. I know. We all believe all of that. We all believe that. But you. <laughs> Once you put that butt, your butt is in the way, and then we got it. <laughs> and uh, God cannot operate anymore. Huh? In a squid. <laughs> so he says here, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now, this is so important, okay? Let me tell you something. For those who feel oppressed, okay, maybe there is a demon that's oppressing you. Huh? That's a powerful scripture to say because they're not going to bless the name of God, okay? And if you're constantly saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul, I mean, don't talk. Sometimes people, Christians, act real gentle 
Ah, he's going to be a gentleman. But when trouble is after you, uh, I forget being a gentleman. But the Bible says in, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violence was taken by force. When there's real trouble, I yell. God, you know, I need help. And so when I feel oppressed, I'm not going to be saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul. It's bless the Lord. I'm yelling. Amen. Let all the devils hear it. And I tell you, if you do that from your heart, they know they can bless the Lord. And this, that these kids began to do, uh, we can tolerate this. And they got to leave you alone. Amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. And if there is a demon there, he knows, I don't want to bless the Lord. But if you keep telling him to bless the Lord, guess what? He says, it's too hard in here. I'm leaving. And then you feel your freedom. Amen? He's good to, that's what David knew that we don't know. He knew to tell his soul to bless the Lord. And not only his soul, everything that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and do not forget all of His benefits. Don't forget them. Notice He's not telling His spirit not to. The soul is where the problem, that's where we, re- we live. Our emotions, our will. That's the soul. The mental part of us. That's what gives us trouble. That's where we think. And all of that. And we make decisions for the most part. If your soul is not healthy, guess what? The decisions that you make will be carnal and they will affect your life and your spirit. So he's telling his soul, bless his holy name. And he's telling his soul not to forget all the benefits. (coughs) Excuse me. When you serve God, there are benefits. People forget. It's not just the fear of not going to hell. That's not all about this. That's what I did when I first came to him. I didn't want to go to hell. But then I found out that he has more goodies for me. That's wonderful. I got to take that. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and don't forget all of his benefits. Not just stay with some. Go after all of his benefits. Not just some. That's what's wrong with the church. That's what's wrong with us. We only go after a few benefits and we let the others go. We know about forgiveness of sin. But what about the healing? What about the chastisement for our peace? What about all of that? What about the well-being for our children? He says, believe in the Lord and you will be saved. And what? And your house as well. That's a promise for me. My house is going to be saved. Everything is going to be well with us. Persecution, oh yes, I welcome that. You just make me a prophet. So they did to those, the prophets who were before you. Is that not what Jesus said? So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Made me a prophet. Persecute me, I want that. But troubles, no. I'm just going through that. We have to understand that. That's what the scripture, don't forget all of his benefits. There are benefits when we serve God. He forgives all our iniquities. How many? All of them. He forgives everything that we've done wrong. He forgives that. The very root problem. That's why the Bible says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us 
But he doesn't stop there. He cleanses us from all of them. He cleanses us. So he cleanses us from that. So don't forget, he forgives all our iniquities. He heals how many of our diseases? All of them. That means we will have some come to us, but he's ready to heal all of them. Amen. All of them. But then it went further. Most of the time we're only talking about that, right? Just healing, forgiveness of sin. But God doesn't stop there. There is more to His covenant blessing. If that's all we have, then that's it. And then we go to something else. But He continued. Who redeems your life from destruction? You can die without being sick, you know. (laughs) You can die without being sick. You can go out there and some crazy drunk comes after you. Well, that's destruction. Right? That happens to people. You wake up, everything is fine. And you're doing well, minding your business, following traffic rules, going to work, and some crazy drunk comes out of the And you got nothing to do with it and devastate the whole family. That's happened to people. But God's saying, I'll save you from that too. From destructions, all of it. I'll save you from that. You know, I've always said this. Uh, God is so good. It just depends on how much you're willing to believe God for. I'm not going to die in a plane crash. Uh, you said, heard that? I've said that before, and I mean it. I'm never going to die in a plane crash. It's not going to happen. That's called destruction. What do they have? That's destruction, right? That's destruction. I'm not going to die in a plane crash. If I'm in the plane, that plane cannot crash. It doesn't have the right to crash. I remember after I said that, I was in a plane and I looked through the window and I saw something flapping that wasn't well connected. And the devil says... You better hang on to what you've been saying in church because you see. <laughs> okay. I'll be quiet. Don't laugh. <laughs> I looked at it for a while and then I started yelling at myself. The plane can never crash. What could But that's the truth. You see, when you believe it, if you believe it in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, you have what, and you believe, you have what you say. Is that not what Jesus said? And he said the scriptures cannot be broken. I'm not going to die in a plane crash. It's not going to happen. The engine can turn the way he wants to turn. We're getting down first before he go crash somewhere else when I'm already out of it. I'm coming out. I'm not going to die in that. Amen. God has his angels, and they are very powerful. He has already assigned them. Psalm 91 tells us they will carry you, amen. Uh, they can carry the plane, amen, till I get out of it. Exactly. I don't have to have a car accident. That doesn't mean I drive crazy and <laughs> <Be> stupid. <laughs> you do what you can, but God is taking care of us. And He watches over His word. When you believe in it, He's watching His word. And if it's in your heart, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask what you will and it shall be done. Why? You are a covenant person. Amen? His attention always focused on you. 
Because of you, yes, and because of his covenant. He is a just God. He is a righteous God. He is a holy God. He stays with his word. He makes sure his word is fulfilled. If you believe in it, he watches. Everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. I don't think I, you, will fully understand the extent of his love. And how much he wants to help us. And how much he wants to bless us and protect us. There are limitations uh, on belief and fear. And not trust in him. I'm going to close with this. Sometimes you read scriptures and you get an insight. How our own belief, mine and yours, God forbid. I like, I, I, sometimes I reject and I pray against unbelief. God, deliver me. You understand what I'm saying? There was this man that brought his son while Jesus was up in the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember the story? And uh, the disciples came. He came with a lot of faith (coughs) to Jesus, but Jesus was not around. But I'm sure the man also knew that Jesus' disciples cast out devils. And when, when he got to his disciples, the disciples were casting out the devil, and he wouldn't leave. Remember the story? And then Jesus came down, and he said, what's going on? The, disciple, the, the father immediately spoke out and told him what was happening. Jesus said the words, you know, how long will I be with you? He talked about their generation. And then, notice, he didn't go straight to cast out the devil from the boy. He started talking to the father. Have you ever wondered why? I, I, think, I think I know why. I may be wrong, but I think I know why. You know, if, it, if I was the one, I would just say, you disciples, unbelief, and go and show them the, how to do it, right? He didn't do that. He started talking to the father, and he was asking the father, how long has this thing been, being with this kid? You mean he didn't know that? Does he have to know that to heal the boy? No. The reason is the father came... I believe that was the reason. The father came with a whole lot of faith. And watching the disciples struggle, his faith had gone down. And Jesus would not act until his faith got up in belief. And so he started talking to him. And you can hear from the man's voice. He said, and then he was talking to the Son of God. He said, this happened, and this is what happens. If you can do anything... You remember the words? If you can do it, that's the Son of God. He had no faith anymore. He came with faith. He saw things with the disciples. And he lost his faith. And he was saying now to Jesus, If you can do anything, please help me. Jesus replied, If you can believe, all things are possible to He says, I believe. Help my... You heard the word. So the reason he was talking to him is because... He had faith, but now he had entertained unbelief because of what he saw with the disciples. That's all. And Jesus couldn't do anything until he got back. And as soon as he said the words, I believe, that's his faith confession. He wasn't too sure. He says, help my own belief. And Jesus immediately turned to the boy. That didn't happen. Your experience can be different from that. If you want the same miracles in your life, in any area of life, you got to come like that, Father. Amen? 
You believe, you speak, and you act on it. And God will give you your miracle. We are God's covenant people. Say, I am a covenant person. That's what gives you right, the right to covenant blessings. Amen? Because we are the light of the world. Jesus made us that. The salt of the earth. He wasn't kidding when he says that. You are. Amen? We'll continue this next week. I still have much that I want to share with us. Stand up with me tonight. I pray that God gives you understanding. Now, what I'm sharing with you, it may not seem much, but I know what we're doing, okay? Because everything we're doing is spiritual. These words that you're hearing are going into your spirit. And faith is being planted there. For a rainy day. He's there. When situations come against your life, those words that you believe, because they're already there, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You don't conjure, conjure this. It just happens because you agree and accept the Word of God. So faith is being born in your heart and in my heart. It's the Word of faith that we preach, Paul says. It's in your mouth and in your heart. But now we got to speak it. Amen? Let's raise our hands up to the Lord tonight and thank Him. When you thank God for the blessings that you've heard from His Word, and you believe that, yes, God, I thank You. These blessings are there for me. They are for my life. It may not be overnight, but don't let it go. Don't let it go. It could be God is watching to see if you will let go of faith when there is a little difficulty. If you don't, don't be weary in well-doing because you'll reap. It will be well with you in due time. God always has his appointed time. And when the fullness of time comes, he can't wait. I see a blessed people. I see a, gr- a, gr- a great people of God. I see God's blessings coming over your life and overtaking you right now. The blessings of God are coming on you and overtaking your life. Blessing your children. Blessing everything that you set your hands to do. The curse is being removed from your life because it has no right to be there. And the blessings of Abraham are now on your life based on the word of God. Father, we thank you for your great, great, great promises that you've given to us. That by these promises we might be partakers of your divine nature. You have not given us the spirit of fear. You've given us the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. We are not bound to anything. We are only bound to you. And we thank you for coming to give us life. And to give us life in abundance. The things that are bad and negative, they are going out of our lives. And only that which you have prepared for us, coming into our lives, oh God. We give you praise tonight. We give you glory for your goodness and your mercy. Those follow us according to your word every day. They follow us. 
all the days of our lives, they'll follow us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We dismiss.